The Grancidillo School of Business and Management at Pepperdine University proudly presents the Dean's Executive Leadership Series. This podcast invites top business practitioners and thought leaders to share their view on the real world of business. Well, it's really a privilege uh, to have John Figueroa with us. Uh, uh, he's certainly an exceptional business leader and has done wonderful things at McKesson, but he's an alumnus of Pepperdine University and of the Grazia Dio School, and I believe he is our first Dell speaker who is an alumni, so we're really thrilled to have him here. But uh, John is the president of McKesson Corporation's U.S. Pharmaceutical Group. Uh, it has more than, uh, well, about $90 billion, I understand now, in revenue and operates in 31 states in Puerto Rico. Uh, a very significant operation. I believe, and John, correct me if I'm wrong, McKesson is the second largest company based in California behind Chevron? I think we're the third, third. after HP. Okay, HP. So one of the largest companies based in Southern California, and I'm not sure everybody really knows that. Uh, they fly under the radar screen sometimes. But he's been at McKesson for 13 years, uh, has really helped grow that company, do some exceptional things there. He is a former captain in the United States Army. Uh, he did his undergraduate work at UCLA, but we've forgiven him for that since he came to Pepperdine to get his MBA. Uh, his uh, wife, Becky, is with him, so we're so glad to have you with us, Becky. He has two children, a daughter who is a freshman in high school and a son who has uh, probably completed his sophomore year in college or about. Um, and we also had the privilege of honoring John about a year, oh, let's see, in December, I believe, as a distinguished alumnus of the university. So it is really a privilege to have John with us, and we look forward to hearing what you have to say. Well, thank you, uh, Dean Livingstone. It certainly is an honor and, uh, and a privilege to be here today. In fact, I, I think it's actually kind of neat that you, you asked me to do a presentation on the business of innovation, especially being here at the heart of Silicon Valley, where innovation is known uh, certainly throughout the world. Um, before I get uh, into the meat of the, the presentation and, and what I want to talk about today and some of the basics of, uh, of my speech around innovation in healthcare, uh, the dean wanted to make sure that I at least said a little bit more about myself and, and how I got to the point uh, of where I'm at today. Um, as as uh, Dean Livingstone mentioned, uh, I, I am a Pepperdine alum, uh, extremely excited about the past that I had with Pepperdine and certainly uh, the current relationship that I have, uh, you know, being on the board. Before I came to Pepperdine, uh, as she indicated, I served in the military as an officer and my first job uh, out of the military was with Baxter Healthcare. Um, I did that job uh, for seven years, I believe, in, in sales and, and in operations. Um, and uh, she also mentioned that I was uh, an undergraduate at UCLA. There I was a liberal arts undergraduate. I studied uh, political science and uh, English literature. And I have to say literature because my wife, who is a school teacher, always says, you better say literature because you can't spell worth a darn. So don't, don't give anybody the impression uh, that you can. Um, but because I had a liberal arts uh, uh, undergraduate degree when I was in business I, I thought it was necessary to go back to school and get the fundamentals of, of business uh, straight and it was the best decision certainly that uh, that I ever made uh, in my career why did I choose Pepperdine and I think the reputation that Pepperdine has uh, around ethics and values in business uh, was something that attracted me uh, to the school uh, in a very big way 
I will also tell you that if I look back on that education, I think the time and the classes that I enjoyed more than any uh, were the strategy classes, the strategy uh, and the theory and the practice uh, around innovation. Um, and as I you know, look back, and, and you know, there's really no coincidence that I chose McKesson uh, for my love on strategy and, and, and innovation. Um, I was also told in, told in giving a history of who I am and, and where I've come from that I should show you a picture of when I graduated uh, way back when. Um, and you know, when I looked at my Pepperdine graduation picture, I still didn't have hair. When I looked at my UCLA graduation picture, I still didn't have hair. So I went all the way back to high school <laughs> to show all my colleagues here from McKesson that yes, I did have hair uh, at one point. Um, so let, let, me, let me now talk a little bit uh, about our business uh, at McKesson. We, we uh, run uh, the U.S. pharmaceutical business, um, and it is the largest pharmaceutical distribution, not only in America, but in North America. We have the largest distribution network here uh, in Mexico and in Canada. Uh, we supply about 45% uh, of all of North America's medications. Uh, we do that in every state, and we do that in every uh, province and every part of, of, uh, of North America, and we do it on a regular basis every day. What we get real excited about is, uh, you know, the, the, what we contribute to the corporation. Uh, U.S. pharmaceutical business represents about 90% of the top line for the McKesson Corporation and about 80% or 86% of the gross profit. So the four primary segments uh, that I am responsible for are the national and retail drug chains, uh, the independent pharmacies, the hospitals and institutional providers, and the mail orders uh, for those large PBMs that, sell, that, uh, that send medications uh, through mail. Um, most people know McKesson as a distributor, and uh, we have done that for 177 years. We are, I believe, the third oldest company in the New York Stock Exchange and the oldest company uh, in healthcare. Um, and I always like to talk about my very first day at McKesson. I was so excited uh, when, uh, when I came to McKesson. I could not wait to start. And, and I remember getting up early and going to work and so fired up and uh, went to work that day. And I came back. And my wife, who knew I was so excited about, about working for McKesson, I came home. And she said, well, well, how was your first day at work? I said, you know, sweetie. McKesson is 166 years old, and I think I met some of the original employees today. <laughs> and I said that because it was a distribution company, and what we did, 99% of everything we did day in and day out was to deliver pharmaceuticals to a retail store. We weren't in the hospital sector yet. We weren't in mail order. We weren't in technology. We weren't in information systems. We weren't doing anything but moving product from point A to point B. But what was exciting about the company at that point was even though there was a sense that we've been doing the same thing, we've been doing it well for a long time, uh, there was a sense of newness to the company because we were acquiring new businesses and we began a focus of healthcare. We started to sell off companies that had nothing to do with healthcare and acquire companies that would connect us at some point to every aspect of healthcare. And not just in distribution, but in anything that we can touch when it comes to healthcare. And we have grown that company substantially over the last 
uh, 14 years to the point where we are the 14th uh, largest company uh, in America. Now, just to give you a, a snapshot of some of the things that we have evolved in, uh, you know, we certainly deliver our pharmaceutical supplies, but we also deliver all medical surgical supplies um, throughout the entire spectrum of care. Uh, we are in health IT. Uh, we are in health IT for hospitals and physicians, uh, just about any space where there is a computer system to run uh, health care. About 50% of all the systems in this country are, are run by McKesson. Pharmacy automation, uh, so anytime you walk into a hospital and you see a, a robot or anything that touches medication, barcode technology, anything whatsoever, McKesson. Um, and services to manufacturers to make sure that we get that product from point A to point B from the manufacturing facility all the way down to the patient, the right time, the right place, uh, every single time. As well as payers, which is a big industry now because we used to have a bunch of payers that we dealt with. Uh, but the government is quickly becoming uh, one of the largest payers and potentially uh, even larger uh, as, as things have changed uh, in, in uh, the political arena lately. Uh, we have a number of programs that touch that segment as well. Um, so we touch every, every spot that you can possibly imagine when it comes to health care, uh, as well as deliver programs to benefit the delivery of care, whether you're a doctor, you're a nurse, you're a pharmacist, or anybody uh, in the system. So what is our goal? Uh, our, our ultimate goal is to improve the quality, the safety, and the efficiency of the entire healthcare system for everybody who touches it. Um, small goal. Uh, our, our focus continues to be changing dramatically uh, day to day. Uh, you, you can't pick up a paper or watch the, the news without hearing some change in healthcare or perspective change uh, in healthcare. And so, you know, we, we, we don't know what healthcare is going to look like by the end of 2010, uh, let alone what it's going to look like in 2011 or 2012. But we certainly have to be ready to make that impact and to innovate uh, to make sure that uh, we are doing the right things for our consumers. Um, for someone who has worked in healthcare for two decades, uh, I feel strongly that we are at a critical juncture uh, for new innovation in healthcare. Uh, and I'll tell you why. And here is the number one reason why you have to look at this industry and understand that innovation is going to be critical. Um, there are mistakes made in healthcare constantly. Uh, and we have, believe it or not, you hear a lot of stuff in the news, we have the best healthcare system in the world, period. Um, but we make a tremendous amount of mistakes. In fact, uh, according to the Institute of Medicine, medical errors are responsible for over 98,000 deaths every year, more than AIDS, breast cancer, or car accidents. Uh, it is a very large issue in our country. And let me put it in perspective for you. This, this normally brings it home. It's like a 747 crashing every day. So imagine going home from work on a Monday and turning on the television set, and there was a 747 that crashed at SFO. I mean, that would be unbelievably sad and would certainly capture the attention of everybody in this country. Then you come home from work on Tuesday, and there's a 747 that crashed again at SFO. Wednesday, 747 crashed at SFO. How many of you would jump on a plane on Thursday? Nobody. But yet, 
we continue to walk into the healthcare system, we continue to expect the best of quality that we deserve, and yet these errors are happening on a, reg are happening on a regular basis, and a 747 is crashing every day. Uh, it's astounding. Even more so when you realize that they're all preventable, that we have the technology, we have the ability, we have the things in place today uh, that can simply erase a number of these errors on a regular basis. So the industry of healthcare is certainly the industry of innovation. And when you look at the debate around healthcare and the, the debate around quality of healthcare, uh, healthcare costs, efficiencies, uh, et cetera, it started, I think, to really gain steam in the Clinton administration. And we have debated this and we've talked about it for uh, a number of years and in a number uh, of ways. Uh, but let me, let me try to lay out the core things that we as an industry uh, and as individuals can do to help advance the healthcare system. Um, now, I can't, I can't take all the credit for this. I think the industry has been going back and forth talking about what are the key elements to get this done. I was actually at a, at a Bain uh, consulting conference um, about two months ago in New York, and uh, I have to tell you that they talked about some of these points, so I want to give them some credit for actually setting the table on, on how to describe the three key elements that, uh, that can help us change healthcare. Uh, the first is the delivery of care uh, and how we can make it safer and uh, more efficient within the system. The second is consumer behavior and how we can influence healthy decisions made by individuals, which I think is going to be key to the change within healthcare. And the third is connectivity and how advanced technologies and systems can propel our industry forward in a way that the industry has never been able to do so before. So let's start with, uh, with the delivery of care. Uh, as you know, we, we have a long way to go uh, in improving the delivery of care. Uh, and it's something that the government is trying to address. With all of the billions of dollars that they have laid out in stimulus plans and a variety of other programs over the last year, year and a half, one program that they actually put into place that isn't well known is the, H, is the uh, Health Information Technology Stimulus. And what the government did was they put aside $19 billion worth of funds for anybody in the healthcare system who touches Medicare or Medicaid from an information technology perspective. And they want this to be spent over the next five years. Why? Uh, because even the government understands that with technology, you can increase safety uh, and decrease cost pretty quickly. And if we can implement the technologies and the right technologies quickly, you begin to get that platform of increasing quality and decreasing cost. So uh, what McKesson is doing is innovating around this call to action and making sure that we have the right types of programs uh, that our customers can use and adapt uh, to move the system forward. Now, let me describe it for you. We have barcode scanning, uh, automation that I talked about, unit dose packaging. We basically take that drug that we used to move boxes from point A to point B back when I met the 166-year-old employee, and now we can, we can deliver it any way you want it. We can deliver it in consumer packaging, unit dose. It is barcoded every step of the way, and we can track it. If you're a patient in one of our hospitals, we can barcode you, we can barcode the nurse. Every time something happens, it is tracked on the system so that no mistakes happen throughout the entire supply chain. So those are some of the things that we are doing from a delivery of care perspective and getting the right technology in place 
to make sure that there are no errors that are, that are, uh, that are taking place. Um, I will also tell you that uh, I, I get real excited uh, when I look at what can be done in different settings. Uh, you know, we, we have a number of physicians today, but not enough. And as healthcare continues to move forward, uh, I think we are looking at a massive shortage uh, of doctors moving forward. I don't, I don't think that's a big secret. I think it's a big problem. Um, but the delivery of care can change, and it has been changing. The evolution of that has been changing pretty steadily over the last couple of years. Nurse practitioners have a lot more responsibility today than they did five years ago. In fact, delivery of care has changed from a doctor's office to supermarkets today, uh, or, or any other type of drug chain uh, facility, where you can actually put a small clinic in the corner of the facility. You can take care of sports physicals. You can take care of somebody who has a cough or a cold. Um, pharmacists are evolving to the point where they're actually tracking a patient and tracking a diabetic patient, working with a diabetic patient, uh, doing medication therapy management every time the patient walks in to the store. The beautiful thing about this and why it's changing so rapidly is the pharmacist is now getting paid for doing this. Uh, they've always been that healthcare professional who's been in your neighborhood, but they've always been behind the counter counting as many pills as they possibly could because the only way they got paid was every time they gave you your prescription, they got paid at reimbursement. Today, they're talking to you. Today, there's a room where they can talk to you uh, about your medication uh, and help you uh, stay on your medication. We call that medication adherence. Uh, so if you are prescribed uh, you know, medication, uh, that you stay uh, on the medication. Um, and why is that important? Um, when you talk about the cost of a patient, um, costs go through the roof when you're in the hospital. As soon as you walk into the emergency room and as soon as you walk uh, in, in, into that hospital, costs as a payer go through the roof. If I keep you on your medication, you will stay out of the ER, you will stay out of the hospital, and, and it's a tremendous amount of savings. What's unique is Statistics today tell us that 25% of all Americans actually take their prescription from beginning to end. So 75% of us actually grab it from the doctor's office, say, great doc, I'm going to the pharmacy, no problem. You know, some of them never make it to the pharmacy. Those who do get it once, they have about three pills and they say, I'm not, I'm not gonna do this anymore. So the bottom line is they stop. If we can move that number uh, from, from you know, 25 to, to 35, it makes a, a tremendous uh, difference um, in what we're trying to do and, and in keeping people healthy. Um, so I'm gonna talk a little bit uh, about medication adherence uh, a, little bit, a little bit later. Um, so why, why are we failing on, on the medication adherence piece or why, why uh, is it difficult for folks to stay on it? And, and that's where I think we need to talk about that individual accountability. Um, Let's face it, nobody likes taking their medication every day. Nobody likes going to the doctor. I mean, how many, how many of you have heard friends say, I, I got a physical 10 years ago. What do I, what do I need to go to the doctor for? Uh, we, we don't like doing those type of things. And, and human nature, two things, is denial. I really don't need my Lipitor. I feel the same when I don't take my Lipitor as when I do take my Lipitor. It doesn't make me feel any different. Uh, procrastination, you know, I'll get to it in a year. I'll, I'll really change my, my lifestyle. Uh, it is extremely difficult uh, for adults uh, to, to stay on their regimen. 
What's, what's even more scary uh, is what has been happening to the health of our children. Um, uh, my, my wife, who is a mother and also a teacher, you know, one of her pet peeves is the fact that public schools have taken physical education out of the school system. If you remember when we were all kids, it was a mandatory hour every single day, whether you liked it or not. Um, today, we don't have any of that stuff. So it's even more difficult uh, for kids to continue to, uh, to, to stay healthy. Um, the CDC came out with some statistics that are pretty, pretty alarming. 33% of our children uh, in America are overweight. 67% uh, of Americans in total uh, are overweight. 21 million Americans have diabetes, and another 785,000 Americans had heart attacks last year. Uh, the demographics are continuing to go up. They're continuing to look uh, uglier year after year, and there's no doubt uh, that the correlation between that and health care cost uh, is one of the drivers that we, we have to deal with uh, in the industry. Um, so we have to begin to take that personal responsibility and utilize the tools that are necessary uh, to stay healthy. Um, so going back to my earlier discussion on retail pharmacy, um, retail pharmacists can begin to help here. And one of the innovations at McKesson that we have been leading the charge with is making sure that that trusted healthcare professional, and every year they're either one, you know, number one or number two, one of the most trusted professions in, in uh, America today as a pharmacist. Let's utilize that and get them more involved in healthcare on a regular basis uh, to help with, with the initiative. We have a variety of programs. I talked about having the computer systems just about everywhere uh, in the healthcare system. Well, those computer systems connect to the payer, to the doctor, to the patient, uh, real-time information. So what we can do now in this industry and there are a number of companies that do this, not just McKesson. You have the ability to walk into a pharmacist, and when, they, when you give them your name and you give them your prescription, uh, they already know what payer you're connected to. And when they see that medication and disease state, they can actually put you on a program where they can keep you on that medication or walk you through any of the issues with the medication on a regular basis and keep that communication. Um, now, what, is, what does that do? Well. We've been doing this for about three years now, and the statistics tell us that we have increased the penetration of prescription use by 44% of those patients who walked in. So a patient who walked in, took three, uh, you know, three pills and said, forget it, I'm not going to do it anymore. 40% of those folks who were not being compliant on their medication are now compliant on their medication, utilizing the services of uh, the pharmacist. So, there is an awful lot of momentum here, and it's a win-win-win situation. The patient wins because they, they're, they're healthier. The pharmacist wins now because they're getting reimbursed by the payer, uh, and, and certainly you know, the manufacturer and the supply chain uh, wins because there's more product uh, going through the supply chain. You know, This all started back in 1996, a project called the Asheville Project, where community actually tied people, city employees, to pharmacists and tracked uh, disease states like diabetes and showed a tremendous uh, amount of savings. So we've known this for 14 years. So you know, I talk about innovation and I get excited about what we're doing here, but we've known about it for 14 years. If the innovation is going to take 14 years to get to market, we're going to be in a little bit of trouble. Uh, so what we have to do is utilize the systems in place. Uh, the biggest thing 
that kept this from happening was payers were reluctant to pay pharmacists for the service. Uh, and so the service wasn't happening. But the payers have seen the return on keeping people healthy and keeping them out of the hospital, which has made a, a tremendous different, difference. Um, as an employer at McKesson, we feel it, it's a huge responsibility uh, and a responsibility that we have embraced and accepted to take care of our employees. It's in our best interest and it's the best interest of the employees to continue to do this. Um, and for example, this last fall we introduced uh, a consumer-driven health care plan for the first time. Without going into any detail, this plan allows employees to look and have control about the dollars that are given to them by McKesson and how they spend them uh, in, in the health care system on a regular basis. We also provide employees a variety of health and wellness services, including gym reimbursement, online health tools, medication adherence services that I talked about, and we sponsor a number of corporate events uh, such as health walks uh, like we did last month uh, for a diabetes walk with, uh, with the ADA. Uh, so my third area uh, of innovation is really that connectivity piece. Um, and I think that's really where it, it, it comes down uh, to the wire and, and what has to be done. I mean, that, this is the key. This is really the future of, of where we're at uh, or where we're going to be with healthcare. And here's another example I love to give that, uh, I mean, I think really brings home what we're dealing with. Those of you who've been in a hospital uh, before uh, or, you know, the example I used is, is when my son broke his arm uh, you know, 10 years ago. I mean, what do you do? I mean, he broke his arm, so the first thing you do is you run him through the emergency room. So you go to the emergency room, and there's somebody there with a clipboard, and they say, okay, what's your son's name? What's your name? What insurance do you have? Do I need to know if he's allergic to anything? They ask you about 10, 12 normal questions when you walk into the, to the ER. You finally get past that, that, that person. You walk in, and the doctor walks in and says, so what's your name again? What's your insurance? Are you allergic to anything? Another clipboard, another piece of paper. Well, then they move you to the radiology department. You do the same thing. You go through about four or five departments within the hospitals. You see four or five nurses. Then the next day, you go see your own doctor. And everybody had a clipboard with a piece of paper asking you the exact same question. Then the worst part about it is 30 days later, you get about seven bills from all the seven different departments that you saw. Nobody knows what the heck is going on because there's a clipboard with a piece of paper uh, that is tracking you through the entire system. When we talk about connectivity, what we're talking about is having the information at the fingertips for any healthcare professional who is in the system at any time. So the minute you walk in anywhere in the country or any, part, any, any doctor's office or any nurse sees you, all you have to do is give them your name, your insurance number, and everything pops up uh, the way it's supposed to so that they can take care of you immediately for the individual needs and individual issues uh, that are, are addressed uh, at that time. So, you know, the future of the industry certainly needs to be uh, moving forward and moving forward quickly. Innovation for McKesson, we have all the systems that do that connectivity. Innovation for me, that gets me excited. Remember I run that pharmacy distribution piece? So what's my big innovation? My big innovation is electronic prescribing. So anytime there is a doctor who says you need Lipitor, I want that doctor to say, where are you picking it up? I'm picking it up at the local Health Mart drugstore. Hey, that's wonderful. They press a little button, and that immediately goes to that local uh, pharmacy. You walk into the pharmacy, and you get your prescription. No more chicken scratch. 
you know, those 98,000 errors, there's a chunk of those errors. Have you ever read one of those prescriptions? Tell me you could read one of those prescriptions. You cannot read any of those prescriptions. You know how, and you, but you think the pharmacist can. You know, he's, well, the pharmacist knows what this is, no problem. The pharmacist calls back the doctor 30% of the time because they can't read it. How ridiculous is that? Electronic prescribing is here. It's available. Uh, you know, the process can, uh, can work uh, now. Uh, and, and in fact, it, it is, it is uh, being used on a regular basis. Um, so more connectivity. Let me go back to that ER example. Uh, so you, know, you had all that broken arm issue. Well, there's a hospital in Ohio uh, by the name of Dublin Methodist Hospital that is utilizing all of this technology today. It's the hospital of the future. We call it our paperless hospital. Now, imagine this. Instead of that broken arm scenario, you're walking into a hospital. There isn't a human greeting you. There's a kiosk that greets you. You walk up to the kiosk, you punch in your name, you punch in your health uh, uh, code, um, and what it does at that point is it tracks you, it gives you a barcode number. Uh, the nurse comes down, uh, greets you, takes you wherever you need to go through the hospital, and that barcode that you just put on is scanned everywhere you go. The information immediately goes into the system. The doctors, the nurses have handhelds everywhere they go, in every room that they go, and they can track everything that's happening. So if you're in a hospital for three days and you have to have a regiment of four or five medications a day, um, what this system does is tracks it and stops any mistakes from happening. Wrong doses, wrong time, anything that can cause one of those 98,000 deaths is tracked on the system. Now, it sounds awesome. It's actually unbelievable when you put the system in and you put a chair and you sit at the end of an aisle of a hospital and you just listen for the beeps. And every 30 seconds, beep, 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 beep. Don't do that. Beep, 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 beep. And you sit there and you wonder all these mistakes that would have happened if it wasn't for the system that's tracking everything that's going on on a regular basis. Uh, it's kind of scary. Um, not one single pencil in this hospital. I mean, everything is done electronically. Um, so that, that's what I'm talking about when it comes to connectivity. I'm also talking about connectivity between you, the patient, and your doctor, which I think is critical uh, connectivity. How many of you actually email your physician? Well, that, that's actually a lot better than I thought, about, about a third of you. Um, and I will tell you that 50, 60 percent of you actually have the ability to do it, and your doctor is already set up to do it. You just, next time you talk to them, ask them to get set up on the system. And uh, it's a great, you, you can talk to them at any time, you can ask them questions, you can get lab results, uh, you can track your electronic health care record uh, if you're in a closed system. Um, that is the first step for you as an individual to get a little closer to the health care system and, uh, and, and, and have that tracked. Um, so uh, these are the type of things and the type of innovation in healthcare that I think will be critical uh, to all of us moving forward. These are the core the three core strategies that uh, I certainly wanted to, to talk about uh, today. Um, so, uh, you know, what, what I want to end with is the fact that it's here. There's $19 billion uh, that is available for folks to use. Uh, the technology is there. And quite frankly, if there's a call to action that I ask of you, it's that you should be angry whenever you walk into your doctor's office or you go to a hospital and they pull out that clipboard and that piece of paper uh, and they're not tracking you with all of the technology that's available today. 
And you should be angry with that physician and ask them why. You should be angry with that pharmacist and ask them why they're not asking to counsel you if you have a, a, uh, a disease state that uh, you'd like some more information on. And by gosh, you should really be angry if you have to give 10 different people answers when, uh, when you're in a hospital. So I hope uh, with this presentation that uh, you walk away with a better understanding of innovation within healthcare and how it's driving some critical changes uh, as, as uh, we continue to move forward. But like healthcare, every industry is, is demanding. And I would tell you that whether you're in healthcare or any other uh, industry, innovation will be the key to your success and certainly the key uh, to moving forward and looking at things uh, in an entirely new way. Um, just remember my call. Uh, whether you're a professional in healthcare or you're an individual, uh, demand the professionalism and the best technology that, uh, that we have to offer uh, your safety, the safety of your children and your parents, you know, certainly uh, depend on it. Uh, so thank you uh, for your time.